Tuning in to the 266th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I'm going to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, or for podcasting, Apple Platform, you may be listening to me via. Also, want to thank everybody who's listening via Elevation Sports. Appreciate those guys for tuning in. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York, going to have my guy, my brother, Silas Garrison, on the show. Me and Silas, we are going to delve into the NBA All-Star Game, talk about some other NBA tidbits as well. Maybe we'll get into some NFL stuff uh, as the podcast progressed. I know when Silas, every time Silas comes out, like, Daryl, you always bring me on to talk about LeBron and the NBA. Why not the NFL? Well, why not football? You're like, you know, I play football at Allegheny. I'm like, okay, Silas, okay, chill, my guy. So we'll probably get into a little bit of that stuff, but definitely uh, we're going to hit the All-Star Weekend. And I want to stop you guys right here as I usually do. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you. What I'm going to ask you to do is share this podcast with your friends and family. Share it on Facebook. Uh, share it on Twitter. Share it on Reddit message boards, Facebook groups, uh, email blasts. Share this however you can because we're putting out great content three days a week on the NBA, the NFL, and college football. So definitely uh, share this podcast with as many people, whether it be word of mouth, uh, in-person, social media platforms, text chains, whatever. As you can, I always appreciate that. Also, what I'm going to ask you guys to do is subscribe to my YouTube channel. I post clips from this podcast right here. I also have my syndicate podcast, Outside the Shop, on there that airs there every day, just about every day as well. And follow my Twitter, at NightTrain underscore Lane. I will say it again, at NightTrain underscore Lane. Follow my Twitter. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, then leave a five-star review. And for some odd reason, if you don't like my podcast, it's like, how the hell could that happen? Then don't say anything at all. Because you know what your mama told you? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Oh! Back with Barbara Shaw Sports Talk, we have my brother Silas Garrison with us. How you doing, Silas? I'm good. I'm good. Let's get to it. So, Silas, uh, NBA All Star Weekend, we had it was a little bit different. Uh, they had three point shooting contest, they had the skills challenge, then they had the game uh, all on a Sunday. Then during halftime, they had the dunk contest. How different it was it for you personally, just consuming it? You didn't have the All Star Celebrity Game. You didn't have the rookie. Uh, versus sophomore game, or I think they did it like uh, U.S. versus the world at some point. Like, uh, how do you like just to see the difference? When you just see the difference of everything. Um, you know, uh, you have to remember that there really wasn't supposed to be an all-star game to begin with. I mean, initially, the NBA came out and made a statement uh, in regards to that thing that they didn't want an all-star game, and then like they changed their mind and said, no, we want an all-star game. Um, so anytime you change uh, things like that, that late into the ball game, of course you're not going to have business as usual. So I didn't anticipate it being of, of the normal uh, variety. Uh, and to be honest with you, most people don't um, watch like the what you call what is it the uh, the world team or the stuff like that. Like yeah, the sophomore rookie sophomore game. There's the celebrity all star game. Right. I watched the celebrity all star game, but so, I never watched the the other game. The rookie sophomore game. The rookie sophomore. It's yeah, the rookie sophomore game. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm blanking. Um, yeah, I never watched that, so that didn't really bother me. Uh, did they still have the dunk contest? Yeah, halftime. Oh, they did have the dunk contest. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah. Uh, the, the the dunk contest. I didn't see that probably because I because I, I turned away and I was I was in and out of the All Star game. But for the most part, you know, I I, I said Steph was going to win uh, the the three point contest, so I was right on that. Um, and yeah, I didn't I didn't mind it too bad. I I don't think this is going to be the trend. But even if it was, I wouldn't have a problem with it because I thought you know for all intents purposes, the changes that they made were pretty good ones. How could you have handled this situation if if they told you? So let's say if, if you're LeBron, how do you handle this? Adam Silver, the NBA brass, all the owners, they tell you, listen, you grinded. 
in the bubble. You got only like two months to recover. Not even two months. I think it was like six weeks, actually. Something like that. Uh, you have you played all these games so far, and you're going to have to play in the All-Star game now, too. How would you have felt if you were LeBron or one of these players? Well, so... I mean, a lot of... Like, even Kevin Durant. Like, the team was named after KD, and he didn't play, right? And um, he was headlining... All-Star Weekend. So, if you really didn't feel up to playing, like, you didn't have to play. But with that being said, I just personally would not have had an All-Star game. Look, we just came out of a bubble. It looks like things are, you know, starting to get better as it pertains to the pandemic. We're moving in the right direction. Fingers crossed. I want to do absolutely everything possible to make sure that we can keep on the same um, um, pace of getting people back in the stands. And I wouldn't want to take any unnecessary risks right now to draw any red flags to that. So as a result, I wouldn't want an all-star game. With that being said, you know, moreover, I think it is, uh, in my my humble opinion, I don't really think that it's smart to have an all-star game when you already had a shortened season, people spent months over 90 days in the bubble under over 90 days in the bubble right there are people who serve jail sentences for 90 days (laughs) like and these people have family they work for their families all in the hopes of winning a championship and then they have to turn right around and then start again right um and, and and what was that november um and then having an all-star game where essentially we were just doing this for what ratings or what may have you. I, I So like for me, I wouldn't have personally had the all-star game. I understand what they were trying to do, but at this point, especially in 2021, when everything that's happening, I just think that that's an unnecessary risk that they're taking. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you to an extent. I, I will say this, the almighty dollar wins and uh, the TV contracts, right? TNT, obviously who was the host for the NBA all-star game. They always are, uh, like, there's a reason why it started on Christmas. So ABC, ESPN, they got their TV money. So a lot of this stuff does revolve around money. And I think the TV networks kind of squeezed Adam Silver's arm a little bit and said, hey, uh, I know what you told the players, but you know that we're paying you $2 billion, $10 billion. Uh, come on, Adam. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm paying you guys $10 billion. Oh, hey. So I, I, I think that kind of stuff comes into play that people don't think about. Yeah, I have. No, I mean, I, I have no no debate on that. Obviously, you know more about that stuff and, and the logistics of of the contracts and stuff that they have with the um, the, the TV partners. Yeah, with the yeah. programs and stuff. So I don't really. I'm not too familiar with that. However, what I will say is, if you are serious about COVID, as you say you are, that really should not factor yeah. in. If COVID is what you say it is. Well, I think it's PR. I think it's PR more on their part. I, I think at the end of the day, their businesses. Uh, People always act like the NBA is so different from the NFL. I think all these leagues are the same at the end of the day. <laughs> I think there might be a mirage. There's a mirage from the outside, but in the in, but in the inside, we really know what it is. Money is money. That's why they played the bubble. That's part of yeah, the, I, uh, I, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's why they played the bubble. Uh, it, you know. So next, I want to go to this, and I know uh, you probably enjoyed this. HBCU week uh, that the NBA did a lot, Chris Paul in particular, to like emphasize HBCUs. They it, like during the pregame, uh, they had lift every voice and sing uh, as one of the anthems that they did. They did that uh, the national anthem and uh, the Canadian national anthem. Uh, they did a lot of stuff bringing awareness to historically black colleges. Uh, they talked a lot about historically black colleges. Uh, they had a little intro with like kind of like the the, the stomp uh, stomp going on. Uh, I just want to know what you thought about all that. Um. It's, it's great, uh, but really what it is is identity politics. Um, if we really want to see HBCUs come to the forefront, we're going to have to start that type of education at the, at, you know, the elementary level, right? We're going to need to start that in middle school. We're going to have to have that conversation in high school. That can't happen just from Chris Paul or LeBron or the, player, LeBron or the Players Association. Um, let, let's be real. If we're talking and just keeping HBCUs on um, the perspective of sports, you're going to need, for example, like a Deion Sanders going to Jackson State, right? Where it's a big name and a big draw. You're going to need somebody like a Zion Williamson not to go to Duke, 
but want to go to Carolina State, right? You're going to need uh, you're going to need like a DK Metcalf, for example, like a huge name coming out of out of college or out of high school. You need a big name like him going to Morehouse. Like that's what's going to change the playing field. But but again, that takes a special type of person because you're gambling not only with your future but your family's future and you're gambling with you know um, substantial wealth that you could have going forward in terms of you know generational wealth so all of those things factor in but if you are really down for the cause of uplifting the black community i think those things are going to have to factor in it's going to have to be um you know a, a lot of the things that happen with hbcus and, and people shouting it out this that, and the third a lot of it's just identity politics they just want to be on the right side of history they don't really care if hbcus grow or not they're just like no i represent area you know i'm for it so you can't say i'm a racist because like i gave money to hbcus how could you say i'm a racist like that type of thing but if you want to see actual legitimate change come out of that uh as it pertains to sports specifically it's going to take the same thing i would say i would say the exact same thing if um for like schools in terms of like um like having your students there if you wanted to see the best students go there like who are black you would need to see valedictorians go there like you would have like a lot of valedictorians who are black where do they go ivy league schools so if you want that to change and you want to see the best black people retained at an HBCU, the best way to do that is to recruit valedictorians, salutatorians, magna cum laude, things like that. It's very difficult to do that, though, because, again, when you're the best at something, you've always been taught that white is right. So, again, if you're at a regular white school and you're black, you're looking at Harvard, you're looking at Yale, you're looking at Princeton, because you've always been praised uh, or People have always praised those schools before they praised a, a, a Jackson State or, or a Winston-Salem State or, or, a, a, or a Morehouse or a Tuskegee. So it takes those specific people who are black valedictorians with a vision or, or, a, or, or, a, or an athlete like a Zion Williamson, for example, who has all the talent to go to the pros. He's known he's going to go to the pros regardless, but he's willing to fight a larger fight in order to uplift his own people, his own community, and ultimately HBCUs. So um, while I think that is nice and it's a nice sentiment, what you're talking about, I think the problem, if we're talking about uplifting HBCUs goes, or excuse me, uplifting HBCUs, I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. So, and also, I, I do want to say this when we talk about all these players too, and I, and I will put them on, on the spot a little bit. Uh, you, this day and age, and I say this all the time, if you're good at sports, people will find you. Like you can be in the, for for God's sakes, and pioneer, and, and all the way out in arcade. And you want to know what, Silas? If you're really, 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 really good at football, Nick Saban is gonna know who you are. Like if you are good, you will be found. There, there's too many scouts. Like like for God's sakes, these teams they have scouts whose job are to like go region by region. This is what they get paid to do. Like there are people who are looking on YouTube consistently, looking at like highlight tapes. Like if you're good. People will find you, uh, whether you're in high school. I always thought this was an argument between if you're going to a public school versus private school, and people say you get more opportunity. I always thought that was crazy. And you can say it to college between going to like a place like Duke or Alabama or, or going to a place like Howard University, an historically black college. Like, if you're good, people will find you. Find you. You don't think if you're, if, if let me use an example, uh, uh, if Kyler Murray, let's just say Kyler Murray, if Kyler Murray was at Howard, I don't even, at Howard, I don't even know if Howard's Division One for, for I don't even know, but let's just use that as an example. You you don't think you you, you don't think he would have been drafted? You don't think he would have been drafted? Yeah. Like, like, like look at Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack went to UB and Khalil Mack was a top ten pick overall. Like uh at my school, John Carroll, London Fletcher's an alumni. London Fletcher's was one of the better linebackers to play in the NFL. And people like, if you are good, people will find you. There are people from D three. There are people from D2. There are people from D1. Now, everybody's path is different. Obviously, everybody wants to go to the major schools because those get the most notoriety. But the fact that you can say that, oh, I'm wagering something. No. You want to know what? If you go to an HBCU and fail and you end up becoming a pro athlete, you know why? Because you weren't good enough. <laughs> you weren't good enough. You weren't good enough. LeBron James was going to be successful no matter what he did, no matter where he went because he's just that good at basketball. Like, yeah, I, I think 
think I think you're 100 percent right, and I think um, you know, it, again, it just comes back to the tutelage of what we've been taught. You know, if I, I say this all the time, you know, as it pertains to black people, if you just teach black people um, in American history about um, the fact that they were enslaved and 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 Jim Crow redlining black codes and and things of that nature and, and segregation redlining uh, so on and so forth and you were and you forget to teach them that you know we come from kings and queens and that there's a lot of posterity uh, throughout black history if you did not teach them those things of course it would be easy just to assert white with being right and you know uh, I want to go to an all white school because that's where um, you know the mass of success comes from and that's where the root of so much increase is is developed and things of that nature but um if you don't teach the 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 opposite that no uh as black people there are many black people who are successful there are many black people who went to hbcus there are many black people who are uplifting and building bl- uh their own black communities with with the hope of um better lives for people in their communities um if you don't teach that, then yes, of course people are going to think that just white is right. Um, you are 100% right when you say that people are going to get discovered. And I think for an 18, 17-year-old kid, they don't understand that, Daryl, because they just look at it like, you know, this is my only chance. I have these coaches. They have an interest in me. And what do the, and, you know, they don't learn that from, from, from just anything. You know, you were bringing it up, right? These scouts come and see them. And when these scouts come and talk to these black kids, what do they say? I think, you know, they sit down with their mother and they're like, listen, I think your son's a great young man. I think he's a great football player. You know, he's a hell of a talent. Let me take your son off of your hands. And when he comes back here, I guarantee he'll be an NFL prospect. By his junior to senior year, he will be an NFL prospect. And then you say, well, at that point, NFL what, do I, do I want to compromise that by him making some type of political st- statement going to an HBCU? Well, for me, I would say, yeah, hell yeah, because if, if I'm good enough to play at Alabama and get recruited, I should be good enough to go to Jackson State and still go to the NFL because I'd probably even stick out more there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sharp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what's Salem State? He, he's in the Hall of Fame. Like, we don't even have to get into the list of people who go to the Hall of Fame, who have been in the NFL, who have had successful careers in the NFL, NBA, and they went to H. And they didn't. And they didn't go uh, to HBCUs, but they went to D three, D two schools, D one, small D ones, double A. There are so many. You talked about that. There are so many recruiting ventures and avenues to the point where you could get scouted. And these people, literally, like you said, their jobs are to find you. So come hell or high water or a bad flood, they will find you. Just the problem is, in our community, we have not been taught, I believe, enough to love ourselves, enough to love our own people, and to be confident enough to be around us, because we've always been taught that white is correct. So before we change um, the thinking of them, and I told you this off the record, before we change the thinking of white society, black people must change how we view each other and how we view ourselves. And I'll also say this, too, because I think this is really important to be said. There has never been a kid. There's never been an athlete. And I'll say this in any sport, that the reason they did not make it was because of where they went to school. Maybe if there's bad coaching or maybe they get in trouble someplace, I, I, that's different. But, it, but but it's never been, oh, they, they weren't found. They, they, they weren't found. They, they, they just weren't found because of where they went. That does not happen. Yeah. Like, 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 that does not happen Like where it's like, oh, this dude is killing it and nobody knows who this person is? Like, for, for, and, and we mentioned also all the time, a person you don't like very much, Ed Oliver. You know where Ed Oliver went to school? He went to Houston. Houston's, Houston is not a, a, a Power 5 school. Uh, and I'm thinking, and I know he's white, but Carson Wentz with the North Dakota State, which is double-A. Uh, Trey Lance, who's going to be arguably a first-round pick in this upcoming NFL draft, he went to North Dakota State as well. Josh Allen went to Wyoming. Yeah, yes. Like, uh, just, just a ton of people. Like, Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. And I, I, I don't know you were just talking about Harvard, but Harvard's not a freaking football school. <laughs> Harvard's not a football school. Like right. to, Philip Lindsay, Philip Lindsay would, would, came out of a D three. Uh, Ty- Tyree Cohen, same thing, came yeah. out of a D three program. Yeah, and a lot of these historically black colleges are D one anyway, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they're D one. They're D one, like. If you're good, like, and I think maybe, and here's Can the one thing I'll say. The masses of black people 
went to black colleges, what that would do, like not only for HBCUs, but what that do, what that would do for our community in terms of like educating like the masses of black people about the knowledge of themselves and what it would do for our sports. Like we would recognize, look, as HBCUs and as black people, we are the talent. We are the product that consumers want so bad. So that means that we can go to our own schools and they will still watch us because whether we're at Alabama or whether we're at Winston-Salem State, we are the main attraction of college football. Wherever the talent goes, it's not the name. Look who built that name, black people. So take that same black resource over here to an HBCU and see how the product will shift, see how the narrative will shift. You don't think, what if you had an HBCU that could take on Alabama? You don't think people would tune in? Of course they would. And we might be a long way from seeing that. <laughs> no, of course, of course, this isn't tomorrow. No, no. Because, like, like I told you, we need to be re-educated so that can even be a thing. Because if you, because again, like I said, if you sat down with with uh, Nick Saban and he's and he just puts his rings out there, he's like, "This is what I can do for your son. I can also have him in the NFL." That's a pretty easy chip to sell, you know? But if you're just saying to your son, well, all right, HBCUs, what do you got? You could be the best athlete to ever come out of this program. We can get you to the NFL, and you can set, like, a mark of, like, a trend. You could be, like, a Bill Russell. You could be, like, a Muhammad Ali. It's like, eh, that's not really that interesting to me. I'd rather go to the surefire thing, right? So how do we get people to believe that going to an HBCU, especially when you have aspirations to go into the pros, how can we make sure that they are insured that that is the best uh, direction for them to actually go to the pros and then make that generational wealth that their family so desperately needs. Yeah, and I will also say this, and uh, since we're talking about All-Star Week, now we got into an HBCU sports conversation. That's interesting. Uh, but, but here's what I would say on this, Silas, just to kind of put this in perspective. Uh, a lot of these kids, I, I will say, and I'll say whether you're white, black, Hispanic, I, I, to say if you, when you're trying to play professional sports, particularly when you know you're going to make a lot of money, I don't know if they necessarily go for the school. When you talk about the culture of the enrichment, I, I think a lot of them are kind of looking at, okay, where am I just going to be the best football player? And uh, in in particularly, I mean, in, in particularly the case of, of, of college basketball, these kids are off campus after the first semester. Because really, after the first semester, they're gone. They're, they're gone. So, so they're not really like, it's like how much of students, how much are they interact? You know what I mean? It. And, and, and yeah, and the, and the point that I'm trying to make is even if like even if like a Zion Williamson, I keep on going back to him because he was like the biggest like like he put college basketball back on the map for he was a while. The biggest basketball player I ever saw come in, in my eyes, like in my generation, come out of a college. Right, I've never seen somebody have the traction that he had. If he went to Winston-Salem State and played basketball, and then ended up going to the pros right after his first semester, do you think he still would not have been a D one? Or not a D1. Do you still think he would have been the number one overall pick? Of course he would have been the number one overall pick. Like, it's not even competition to say that he would have been the number one overall pick. But, the, but again, the problem is, even though you're only there for a semester, even though this is only a little stopping block to get you to the next level, the problem is, as black people, we have not been educated enough to love ourselves and love the things that we have created. We have not had enough uh, knowledge, education, tutelage, on the importance of going to schools with people that look like us, and at any time, and, and and most of the time, you know, when people do bring up HBCUs, they resent it because they're just like, oh, look at those black people over there; they're uncouth. They're these aren't as good as white schools. This, that, and the third. One of the arguments that white people make um, that are at white schools that they'll typically say is, you know, Silas, more black people drop out of HBCUs than they drop out of white schools. Well, that's a very terrible argument, considering that 95% of HBCUs are made up of black people. Like, of course more black people will drop out. There's more people. But the crazy part is more black people, per, per I think, per school or per private college drop out of private colleges. There are more black people that drop out of private colleges than white kids. And white people are the overarching majority. So even though that white people are the overarching majority, still more black people drop out than they do. That's crazy. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then come next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Uh, I, I do want to talk about the Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell disrespect. Come next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk.
Oh, we're back with Barbara's House North Stock, and we left Silas Garrison with us before we actually ended up getting into a conversation about, uh, uh, I know Silas is laughing right now. We were talking about some adult stuff in the break. We were, we were talking about some adult stuff in the break. Uh, but we were just got done talking, too, about HBCUs uh, when it comes to uh, African Americans going, and uh, we kind of got into that whole conversation from a sports perspective. Now I want to talk about this, and I kind of want to just get into the All-Star game. So when the All-Star reserves were announced, Silas, you, you called me and you said, Daryl, the disrespect to Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, who were the last two people picked. And then you want to know what LeBron said? LeBron said, LeBron said, hey, we ain't play with Carl Malone and John Stockton in 2K back in the day. It's just the way it has to be. Do you think the disrespect of the Utah Jazz is like is just too much? No, it's been the exact same thing that I told you. Nobody respects the Utah Jazz. Nobody thinks that they're going to be in the conference finals. Nobody thinks that they're going to go to the NBA finals. They are coming off to the rest of the league and uh, allegedly to the two best players in the world as players or as a team, rather, uh, that is on a hot streak. That's, but that's pretty much where they see it. They, they, they see the buck stopping there. It's a team on a hot streak who's not really going to go that far. When I look at Donovan Mitchell, I see I see a, a bona fide all-star. I will give him that. And when I see Rudy Gobert, I see the defensive player of the year. However, because I, I do think that there was credence to what LeBron James was talking about. Deep down, whether LeBron and KD want to admit it, they do not see Utah as a threat to go to the finals. I don't think... Kevin Durant is thinking, I will see the Utah Jazz, and I don't think LeBron James is thinking the Utah Jazz will deter me from going to the NBA Finals. So as a result, I think that, I don't think they were being disrespectful, I just think that they spoke their truth. And if their truth was disrespectful, then that, you know, you, you could say that that was wrong, but at the end of the day, I told you from the beginning that I didn't think that people thought too highly of the Utah Jazz, and Kevin Durant and LeBron James proved my point. Don't you think Donovan and Rudy should feel some type of way? Like they did. They should feel some type of way. If you if you played on the court, anybody who ever got anybody who ever got picked last in a pickup game of basketball knows exactly what I'm talking about. You want to go out there and prove that you're not the scrub. Like you want to go out there and drop a twenty piece. So you already know Donovan Mitchell's like all day. I'm trying to drop thirty every game from here on out. I'm trying to go Donovan versus. Jamal Murray type for the rest of the season. I'm trying, and, and as for Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert is like I'm trying to, I'm trying to block every shot. I'm trying to be Defensive Player of the Year three times in a row, and that's what they should do when they're picked last. I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah, they should be upset. And furthermore, I would have a problem if they weren't upset, because that because then I would question your competitive edge. Yeah, but. I also want to say this. Should there be more respect? Like, they're picking guys like Julius Randle ahead of these guys. Like, you can't say Julius Randle's... Julius... Silence. <laughs> <laughs> Julius Randle's not a better... Ba- I don't think Julius Randle's a better basketball player than Rudy Gobert, too, or Donovan Mitchell. They picked Sabonis. They picked Sabonis. They picked the guy from... 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 From, from the match. <laughs> no, that's Vujicic. That's Vujicic. So, I understand this. I understand why they didn't pick Rudy Gobert because it's like it's an all-star game and like nobody's trying to see Rudy Gobert. <laughs> but he's a better player than these guys. I think people need to respect Rudy it's Gobert. Not a matter of who the best player is, yo, it was so funny because because they said they said LeBron was like, I need I need some size, so I'm gonna take Sabonis. <laughs> <laughs> Gobert was sitting right there, and he's bigger than Sabonis. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron knew what he was doing. LeBron was messing around. LeBron was see. LeBron was trying to sneak this. Yeah, you know, here's what I'll say. If the Jazz don't make it to the Western Conference Finals, then LeBron was right. That's how I look at that. LeBron was right. You should have. You should have. Because right now he's acting like, man, I ain't worried about these cats. I got nothing to worry about. And if the Jazz don't make it to the Western Conference Finals, then he was absolutely right about about feeling that way about them. But don't you think there should be, like, they have the best record in the NBA. Like, and they're both being, but like, to me, and even Donovan. Donovan should feel some type of way. 
I just hope, yeah, they should feel some type of way. Of but but why, why, why do you think LeBron's just kind of doing this psychologically? To be like, man, these men have some jokes. Like, how did Julius Randle get, like, Vujicic, Sabonis? These dudes aren't more exciting than Donovan Mitchell? No, I really think, I, I, I just really think from the bottom of my heart, LeBron James thinks that the Jazz is bombs. I think he really thinks they screw up. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, deep down in the bottom of my heart. I really think he thinks that there's some bombs. Because he even tried to play him. He said, yo, you know, when we were kids, he's like, nobody wanted to play with John Stockton and Carl Malone. Right. Like, 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 why are you saying? And then KD's laughing. Like, KD's cackling like, he really is, right? Like, like you, you, right. It, to, to me, it's just not, and then you have, and then I think it gets worse. And, you know, Rudy Gobert gets disrespected a little bit. You have things Shaq said about Rudy Gobert. And then Joel Embiid basically called Rudy Gobert a bum. And I mean, then Embiid hit him up with forty and twenty, so maybe he did look, make him look like a bum. But why don't you just think they don't get? Don't you think they deserve more respect just for what, what they've they done? All right, you got the number one record in the league, but what have you done? But, okay, but here's so the thing: like, last time we saw you in games that mattered, mind you, you had a three-one lead in the first round and 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 blew it to Jamal Murray and the Joker. And blew a three-one lead. That's what you did. So, like, let's not act like, oh, you, we, you earned your respect. What have you done? Nothing. You have not won a playoff series. Neither of you are in contention for MVP voting or anything like that. Like, you guys have not done anything. And just until Donovan Mitchell got there, Donovan, you didn't even win rookie of the year. That was Ben Simmons. Like, so let's just be clear. Like, you have not done anything other than be all stars. And thank God you guys were all-stars. You guys were borderline all-stars. Miracle art all-stars. Get down on your knees and thank God that you were all-stars. Because that's about all you've done thus far. That's not that's not mean. And that's not speculation. That's just fact. That's that's what it's come to. Well, I have a question. But, but then, well, why do we praise Joel Embiid? Did, 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 we saw how it ended last year for Joel Embiid. But he can barely get his big butt up the court. Because and he got, he got swept. He got swept. He got swept. By the Celtics. He got swept. They, they brought the brooms out on him. Let me explain. Because Joel Embiid this year is coming back and playing like not only an all-star, he's playing like the MVP of the league. Again, we might have that same respect for a Donovan Mitchell if he went back 3-1. Because to me, I think being up 3-1 and then losing, that might be worse than getting swept. to be honest with you. In terms of embarrassment, I mean, you just literally choked it all away. And the sad part is, you didn't even choke it away as Donovan Mitchell in the Utah Jazz. You just could not win. You could not win. You to save your life, you could not win. That proved that the the the, the Nuggets just wanted it more. But here's the difference: Donovan Mitchell has never been in any type of contention for MVP voting. In spite of him being the number one guy on a really good team, he is still never in MVP contention. In spite of him being the lead scorer, in spite of him always having the ball in his hand like more than everybody else does, and them having the best record, and them having an amazing shooting streak, him himself included, he is still not an MVP contention. And you know this. Typically, the person with the best record is an MVP contention. He's not even in the contention, so that's what everybody feels about Donovan Mitchell right there. But the difference is with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is playing like an MVP, and he has his team as number one. In the East. So that's the reason why we praise Joel Embiid. Because we always thought he had this to begin with. And now he's finally playing like we all thought he was going to. And his team's number one. And he's the reason why that they're and he's the reason why they're number one, excuse me. Yes, they would praise Joel Embiid for sure. Right now, where did the Jazz finish at the end of the year? They won they won one uh series. They won one series. Only one. Because if they get, because the, if they're the one seed, they get the eight. I think they could get past the eight. And if they're the two seed, I, I'm telling you right now, though, if they're the one and they face the eight, I don't care who the eight is. I guarantee it goes seven games. But you think Dallas can take them seven? Right now, it'll be Dallas versus Utah. <sighs> Dallas might win that series. Stop it! Stop it! No, with Luca, with Luca and Porzingis. They might win that series, Daryl. Daryl, they might. Yeah, they might win that series. Well, I mean, if you think about, it, I mean, I mean, the the Mavericks are gonna have the best player on the court. Right now, I would take. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. I gotta tell you. And I know I'm kind of contradicting myself right now. 
if it does shake out to be the Mavericks and the Jazz first of all, I don't think the Jazz are going to. I think the Jazz are going to finish either two or three. That's what I think in my humble estimation. They're not going to finish number one. But if I'm wrong, and they they better hope I'm right. They better hope I'm right in their number two or number three. They don't. Do you know how dangerous Dallas is with Luca and Porzingis? Could you imagine if that team gets healthy? Oh my lord! You do not want to see that team in the first round. I'm telling you right now because you already saw what happened. They almost got the Clippers up on there last year, so you know what they're capable of in the playoffs. So I would not want to see them. I feel like Luca would be the perfect player to play on Utah <laughs> for some reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna give you teams and tell me if you respect them or not. Okay. Uh-huh. Detroit. Are oh, you trying to get me in trouble? Oh, is this is this basketball? We're still on basketball. Yeah, basketball. Okay, okay, just make sure. Uh, Detroit. Uh, no, uh, I don't respect them. <laughs> Why? I, cause I, because in my head, I had to remember did Detroit have a basketball team or not. <laughs> that that goes to show if I respect you or not. If I can't even remember that you had a basketball team. Orlando. Mm, too bad for too long. No respect. Cleveland. Watch your mouth, Silas. Watch your mouth. Don't. I like I, I, I like Colin Sexton. I just think as an organization, they, anytime, you, uh, uh, guys, anytime the best player in the world falls in your lap because you were garbage and he leaves twice and after he leaves, you pick like first in the draft every single time and when he was there, you were going to the to the to the NBA Finals every year for four straight years when he came back on his second stint, and you let that man walk out the door for some peanuts and Cracker Jacks, you're a terrible organization. No respect. Washington. I respect them because um, I respect Russell Westbrook. I also respect Bradley Beal, and even though Bradley Beal's in an uncompromising situation right now, the fact that he's going out there and balling regardless, and he's laying the chips fall where they where, where they may, and, and and he's still not trying to get out of Dodge right now. He's still staying there and balling out. Much respect. He reminds me of a Damian Lillard. Atlanta. No respect. I, I haven't seen y'all do anything. It, it, does Trey Young get disrespected? Wrongly? Uh, a little bit, yeah. A little bit. But I just think, um, you know, he's not playing in the best market to begin with. I think I think there's a lot of reasons why he gets disrespected. Just really nobody's checking for, you know, the Atlanta Hawks right now. But they need, they need multiple pieces before they can even be in any type of conversation. In any type of conversation of relevance. Indiana Pacers. I'm indifferent. I'm indifferent. Chicago Bulls. <laughs> no respect. <laughs> you guys are ruining Zach Levine's career. Toronto Raptors. Much respect. Much respect to the Toronto Raptors. Much respect. Charlotte Hornets. Absolutely no respect. Oh, okay. I, I Okay, go. Zero respect. The only person I respect is LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball. He is a real one. He's a real one. Gordon Hayward? Well, actually, I take that back. I do respect the Charlotte Hornets because I do respect Michael Jordan. I respect him deeply. Who, who else did you say? Gordon Hayward. Oh. Daryl, I might have been wrong. He's playing pretty good this year. I told you, Silas. I told you he was good. He's playing pretty good this year. I'll, I'll change my mind. I, I respect the Hornets. I respect the Hornets. The Miami Heat. Because, guys, Daryl swore by Gordon Hayward. I did swear by him. He's like, Cy. He's like, Cy. Yeah, I mean, he called me up. He's like, Cy, you might have been wrong about Gordon. And I and I held on long enough. But, I mean, what is he? He's averaging close to 20 points a game right now. The Celtics could use him. My God. Have him, Brown, and Tatum? I just don't think he fit. I just don't think he fit. That's all. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just think he I think Gordon was right. Like, I remember in the summer, he's like, I want, you know, I want a chance maybe to get my, my shot or maybe have the ball in my hand more and be able to utilize my offensive like uh, you know, technique more things like that and I was like what 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 you don't, you're not skilled anymore like you're not the same no 
he was just a really good player coming off the bench. And he and some people just cannot fit in that role. Some people really just need to be starting. Some people need to have the ball in their hand. And it's hard to do that when you have so many ball-dominant people at the Celtics. So well, I can understand that. Well, 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 to me, here's what you do. Brown at the three. Hayward at the Brown at the two. Hayward at the three. Tatum at the four. Yeah, but Tatum plays better at a three, don't you think? But it's small ball now anyway. These fours are too small to check him. I don't know. And there's not a lot of defense out there either. That's not a whole lot of defense with Gordon Hayward. But that is one thing I know for a fact. Gordon Hayward is a liability on defense. And that's the problem with Gordon. See, that's the reason why they were so willing to let him go. Because it's like you weren't giving us anything offensively and you're a liability defensively. You can't guard a parked car, so what are you good for? But yeah, that 20 points a night's kind of... You know, I, I mean, if you look at Kemba, Kemba's falling off the map. And Kemba can't play defense. Don't do not do that. Kemba has not fallen... Kemba's averaging 18 points He's shooting like 40%. Per, he's shooting like 38% Kemba's, from the field. Kemba's going to be fine. Leave Kemba alone. Cardiac Kemba. Let's move on. Don't do that. Miami Heat. Respect. New York Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> They're the fifth seed right now, Silas. They're the fifth seed in the, in the Eastern Conference. I respect them. I know, I know. Boston Celtics. Milwaukee Bucks. Really? Even after what the Heat did to them last year? Uh, Yeah, they're still respected. They have the two time. (laughs) Do you think Jimmy Butler respects the the Bucks? Absolutely. (laughs) But but, but Jimmy Butler doesn't respect a whole lot of people. Like, just man to man. It's hard to read Jimmy Butler's respect. The Brooklyn Nets. Philadelphia 76ers. Respect. Not feared, but respected. How close are the Sixers to being feared? Um, they got a ways to go. They definitely got a ways to go. I think if the Celtic, or I think if the Nets face the, face the Sixers, I think the Nets might sweep. Oh, Silas, we we disagree with that. That's crazy. Okay. If not, if, if not, it goes five. I think it's. I think we're pushing six or seven. But Minnesota Timberwolves. No respect. Houston Rockets. No respect. Sacramento Kings. No respect. Oklahoma City Thunder. Absolutely no respect. Why? Because you let every person that that cares about your organization walk right out the door. Like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? They're trying to they're, they're, they're trying to get you what, know more draft. You're in a rebuild. Did you? I'm not gonna do this. No respect. No respect. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna come on here and get them flagged. But no respect. New Orleans Pelicans. I don't respect them. It's it sounded it was hard for you to say that, wasn't it? Zion Williamson, who's averaging like 20, 20 something, 25 points. Lonzo has came like 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 a fire in a phoenix in these past couple of weeks. He's averaging 17, like an 80. Like he's playing great. The fact that Brandon Ingram has came alive, and none of you suckers play defense. I mean, you if the only defense that is worse in the entire NBA are the Kings. Nothing else to say. That's terrible. Defense is optional in New Orleans. Say one more time, dude. Defense is optional in New Orleans, and it turns out Zion's eating habits are not op- are optional oh, as well. Man, leave that man. Leave that man his tweakies alone. <laughs> leave that man. His Zion has a six pack. We're joking. Uh, <laughs> Memphis Grizzlies. Who? Memphis Grizzlies. No respect. Golden State Warriors. Respect. Very much respect. Dallas Mavericks. Respected. San Antonio Spurs. Respected. Denver Nuggets. Respected. Portland Trailblazers. Respected. Clippers. Respect. Any fear? There's fear. There's fear. 
How much? Not as much fear as you have for the Nets, though, right? On a scale from one to ten, about a seven. W- what's the fear for the Nets? It's a ten. It's a ten. I- I'm shaking. <laughs> Phoenix, Phoenix Suns. Mm, a lot of respect, actually, the fact that they were able to get Booker and then pull off the trade to get uh, to get Chris Paul. A lot of respect. Wherever Chris Paul goes, they just win. My God. Or, Wherever Chris Paul goes, they just win. Phoenix yeah. is the second seed in the West right now. Think about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good. Utah Jazz. So there's no fear. So when you see Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert walking through that door, how do you feel? I, they're the type of they're the type of guy that acts hard on the street, but I would walk up to them with no worries. <laughs> I would gladly greet them. <laughs> and lastly, the Lakers. I respect them, but I'm very disappointed in how they have performed uh, without AD, and that's LeBron included. Should they be feared? Not at this moment. At this moment, they're a liability to the West. And cut them next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. I'm going to talk to Silas Garrison about some NFL topics. Bills and a little bit of Tom Brady. Cut them next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports. I just saw Silas Garrison with us. So, Silas, Micah Hyde re-signs with the Buffalo Bills. How do you like the move? Um, It's only two years. Uh, it's a two-year extension, so I'm not worried about that. Um, I'm happy that we have him back. He played fairly well for us. Um, we all know what Micah Hyde is. He's a pro bowler. Um, I'm still upset at the disrespect that Jordan Poyer gets. Um, this was uh, the disrespect is so real. This man has uh, led our team in tackles, I believe, for two almost three years in a row, and he's and the Bills Mafia doesn't disrespect him. We know the money that we've given him, and he and he was the captain of the team last year. Uh, let's see, um, Jordan Poyer is signed to a long term deal. I don't think I think he's going to get an extension. And I think this might be, he might have two more years or one more year after this year. Micah Hyde sewed up. We signed Tredavious White long-term. Um, so in our secondary, we're doing very well. There's just that one last spot that we have, and that's and that's at our, our, our other corner position. And, and, the, and the point is this. Um, the reason why our defense has been so good is because of our secondary. So we need to make sure that we can retain as many people from the secondary who make an impact as possible. I would like to see us uh, also throw some money at Teron Johnson if we can, but I understand right now that we're dealing with some problems under the cap. So. You let Matt Milano go? Fan favorite in Buffalo. He is a fan favorite in Buffalo. I like Matt Milano. Um, <sighs> you see, I was going to let him go if we got J.J. Watt, but now that we haven't gotten... Now that we didn't get J.J. White, it complicates a couple things. Um, what I will say is this. It, 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 Would you franchise him? No, no, I don't think he's worth a franchise tag. It, you're either going to give him the money or you're not. Uh, but we can't afford to franchise tag uh, Matt Milano, considering that we already don't have too much money to play with to begin with. Uh, here's the deal. Um I would let go of Matt Milano if that means that we were then going to draft a linebacker first in the draft. Um, What I think it comes down to is priority. There are three positions that the Bills need to prioritize. Outside linebacker, that being Matt Milano. um, Running back. Defensive tackle. And... uh, and defensive tackle, also tight end. See, I think, actually, 
And I know how critical I was of our defensive line. But I think, believe it or not, that our D-line really isn't as bad as I thought it was. Also, Ed Oliver's really good. No. Not at all. I think Ed Oliver needs to be paired with Starlo Talele. Starlo Talele is a pro bowler in this league. And we keep on forgetting that we have him on our team. He just sat out last year. So I think he could be the difference maker for our D-line. We might already have our, our 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 answer on our offensive line already, or on our defensive line, and he was not present last year. So I would, so I I wouldn't. While I definitely would draft someone who can come in and play right away, because I don't think Ed Oliver can. I think I, I think we can get Star Lutalele and pair him with someone, and I think that would be acceptable. You, my, yeah, go ahead. Do you respect Ed Oliver? I I do not respect Ed Oliver. He is mediocre at best. Um, liability on the defensive line. Um, horrid that we got him and that we didn't get somebody else in the draft. DK Metcalf. <laughs> overall, DK Metcalf went almost to like the third round. There were so many great players that we needed at that time. I think that we wasted our time on on uh, somebody like like an Ed Oliver when people were saying, oh, he could be the next Aaron Donald only because he had his same like height and measurements is ridiculous. You you know you know it's kind of funny. Do you think DK Metcalf could pancake out Oliver? Absolutely. Back to the outside linebacker point though. I think what the Bills should do is if we can ensure that we can get an outside linebacker who is not only good um, at tackling but also good in covering, then I think that's the route that we should go in. I will say this too. We still have AJ Clean AJ Klein. Um, signed to, I believe, two more years, and we're paying them money. So, and, and you know, the, the deal's this. You paid A.J. Klein more than you paid him a lot when he didn't, and he didn't start last year, right? When Matt came back, he didn't start. Um, so, I, I think those need to figure out what they're going to do with that situation. For me, if you're telling me that, that Matt Milano can come in, step into the job, pay him his money so that we can get busy on figuring out what we're going to do at tight end what we're going to do at running back. Okay, also, Tom Brady. Uh, him and the Bucks are going to be working on an extension, it looks like. How many more years do you see Tom Brady playing? Um, I see Tom Brady playing for three more years. Did you, did, can you apologize? Because you disrespected him last year. You said he couldn't play anymore. Um, I said we will never see the same Tom Brady, and I was completely right about that. We have not seen the same Tom Brady. The, 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 see, what people don't realize is Tom Brady, his fall from grace is so much different from everybody else's because his, his peak was so much higher than everyone else's minus like Aaron Rodgers or like, a, like for example, like a Pat Mahomes. I mean, but look at Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning had a similar peak and Peyton Manning can't play anymore. Drew Brees had a similar peak. Drew Brees can't play anymore. Okay, so, so again, but he's better than those people and I never said he wasn't. So, like, Tom Brady's in a class of his own. I've always said that. I mean, but, I think... Oh, but wait, hold on, wait a minute. Let me talk about the same way that, like, um, Peyton Manning, you know, that last year with, with the Broncos, what did he rely on? A defense. Tom Brady this year was just the best game manager in the league. Like, in the league. Like, at wide receiver, he was stacked. At running back, he was stacked. Had an amazing offensive line. And his defense was probably just as good, if not better than the Broncos defense that won top paid men in the Super Bowl. Like that team, and we all knew what they could be if they came together, and they did at the right time, and they got hot at the right time. So if you're telling me that the Tom Brady that won the Super Bowl this year is the same Tom Brady as like all these years and there's never been a change, nobody believes that and they know that that's a lie. That is that is that is denial, that is naivete if I've ever heard it. But if you're saying, wow, he has adapted his game to be the best game manager. He used to be the game difference. He used to be the difference maker and he's no longer the difference maker. He is the best game manager in the NFL, then I will agree with you. And then I will say, yes, I'm sorry. But I'm not going to apologize for saying that we will never see the same Tom Brady because we didn't see the same Tom Brady. This Tom Brady right now, in my opinion, is better than the Tom Brady that won the New England Patriots' first Super Bowl in 2001. Yes, but not because of his play. It's because of his mind became more intelligent about the game. Uh, he's a better game, management, uh, game manager 
uh, now than what he used to be. Uh, it just like just like with a fine wine, he just keeps aging uh, gracefully. Well, um, but, but and because of all of those football miles on him, and the fact that he hasn't been really beaten up, he's only gotten sharper and smarter as the game has developed. Well, also, also let me tell you this because I do want to go to back to the Peyton Manning thing. I would say throughout him and his career, Peyton Manning and him were viewed as peers. I don't think people, I mean, all time, but when they were both playing in the league, I don't think people were always like, Tom is for sure way better than Peyton Manning. Like, Peyton, like people forget, because Peyton Manning's been out the game, but when Tom Brady was winning those early Super Bowls in New England, there was no doubt who, who was better, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. That was not a discussion. I don't think that became a discussion until probably like the mid-2000s, and then I think maybe, you know, the longevity has helped Brady. But but when you mentioned Brady's fall from race, why is it that Peyton Manning goes from having an MVP year to quite literally being a bum, well, no, no offense to Peyton, where Brock Osweiler takes his spot, and, and he's, and we're talking about Brady being a, I still think Brady's arguably a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, like, Peyton went from being an elite top five quarterback in the NFL to being a guy that, like, is a negative to your team, like, he could not throw the ball, like, he was Trent Dilfer out there, he was Trent Dilfer out there. Wow, that was just, you said no disrespect to Peyton, and then put some bum. In, in his place, like Dilford. Well, uh, Peyton was a bum his last year. No, he, he, was a, he was a bum. He was a bum. He was a bum. You know, there is another player who did look like a bum when he was playing with a bunch of bums. That was Tom Brady. Oh, stop it. In New England. In New England. Last year. The year before. The year. The last year. Not this year. This past year. But last year. He looked like a. His last year in New, New, in New England. I think most people down there at Foxborough would agree. He was looking like straight hot garbage. Hot garbage. To the point where they didn't even want to pass the ball. They tried to run it. Like, like they did not want to put the ball in Tom Brady's hands. However, that was Bill Belichick's fault, too, because they didn't surround him with the necessary weapons. So it was twofold. The, I think Tom Brady used to be the guy that could take people who weren't good and, make, and get the best out of them. I think now what you have to do is bring people who are already established in the NFL and then allow them to work with Tom Brady. Tom Brady is not washed up, and I never said he was washed up. I said he will never be the same Tom Brady that we knew him to be, and he has not been. Well, why do you... But still, even though he's not the same Tom Brady we knew him to be, he's still a stud because that's just how good Tom Brady is. But, but, well, why is it that Peyton Manning just falls off and Tom Brady doesn't like like why do you think because, that because because Tom Brady never had an injury like a neck injury to the point where it could have been a career ending injury that's fair he did have an ACL but that's not a neck that's, that, that is not a neck no that's not the same that, that, that not is, even a little bit not no, even a little bit that's not a neck uh, and I'll mention Drew Brees as well I don't think Drew Brees but you know Drew Brees can't throw it Again, I just think Tom Brady is is better than Drew Brees. Like, like, and, and again, like this man has a whole body, like has a, like. Is it hard to believe that Tom Brady takes care of his body more than Peyton Manning? I think even Peyton Manning would agree with that, right? So, like, I, I even think Drew Brees would agree with that. Drew Brees really hasn't been Drew Brees for the past three or four years. Like, like at his peak, he has not been Drew. Brees. Yeah, he's just like, he's just wearing the jersey, Brees. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean. In terms of longevity, and this is my point, I try to tell people all this, like, they, they count this against LeBron, like, he's been doing it so long, like, what do you expect? Guys, you're saying he's passing Michael because he's breaking records later into his career. That's longevity, yeah, that, you guys are saying, well, yeah, because he's been doing it so long, like, of course. But that's a part of greatness, like, like a part of greatness is, this, is sustainability, wouldn't you agree? So, like... If LeBron can sustain it and then pass things for far, far past the time when Michael Jordan could play, then kudos to you. That's a good thing. And I would say the same thing about Tom Brady. Like people like are like, oh, well, now he's going to beat all the records and he's going to make him unbreakable because like he's just going to keep on stacking. It's like, duh. <laughs> of course he's going to do that. He's the best quarterback and the greatest quarterback. He's the goat and the boat and everything else because. Not only has he been this great this long, but he, he but he's also had longevity to preserve his body as well. Yes, all of those things factor into the greatness of Tom Brady and the greatness of Serena Williams and the greatness of, of, of LeBron James. Like the people who could do or then the greatness of Eminem and the greatness of Jay Z. Like you can't you can't condemn people because they do things at a high level 
longer into their career than the masses can. If anything, you should praise them for, for that even more. Even the R. Kellys. <laughs> All right, Daryl. Right, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even touching that. I know. It, actually, I'm not even going to go there. I, I apologize, everybody. Okay, so I, I said that. Now I have to get serious. So this is the thing I want to talk to you about, Silas. So, uh, Coach, you know who Greg McDermott is? Yes. He is Sean, uh, Doug McDermott's father. He's the coach of Crewton. Did you hear about the comments he made? I did not. Okay, so here's what he said. Um, you want to guess what it was that got him in trouble that he said? Something racial. Oh, Silas, you, you, you know the world we live in today too well. He's he, he so, just giving it up. So, 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 <laughs> t- tell me what your thoughts are. His comments. He said, guys, we got to stick together. We- oh, I know what you're talking about. This was the plan. Yes, yeah, so, so let me just read Let me just read this for everybody who hasn't read this. Guys, we need to stick together. We need both feet in. I need everybody to stay on the plantation. I can't have anybody leave the plantation. So silent. <laughs> yeah, what was he doing? <laughs> oh man, you know, Daryl, Daryl, it's just, it's just. Um, you would think, I, I think, in 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 a society that we live in today, to say something so inflammatorily ignorant. You have to lack some type of social skills. <laughs> like you, like you have to. <laughs> you have to be lacking in something. Oh, girl, I don't have anything else to say on it. It's just, it's just extremely disappointing that in a society that we live in today, with all the triggers, especially that race brings and how deep race cuts to the core, that this man uh, McDermott doesn't recognize the the ongoing frustration that black people feel in this country at the hands of, of race and, and our checkered past, especially that being on a plantation. Newsflash, everybody wanted to leave the plantation other than the, other than the owners. <laughs> so it's ridiculous that he would even bring up the plantation. Very disappointing. So, so, so can I, can... Because deep down, that's how so many white people actually feel about the masses of black people. They want us to stay on the plantation. Well... well... <laughs> I do want to say this. What could you make of... Why does this come up? Like, because at first I'm looking at this like, is this a saying? Like, like, no, it wasn't a saying, Daryl. The reason why he brought it up is because that's how he feels at his heart. It was like the same thing when, with that guy with the Houston Texans, which is why Deshaun Watson feels so uh, terrible about so, the circumstance that's going there. You, you can't have you can't have the prisoners running, running the... What do you say? The, asi- the, not the asylum. He said the yeah, prison, yeah. right? Well, that's a saying. I mean, I mean, that's all kind of derived from a saying. So it's yeah. no, but it wasn't a saying. The saying was the asylum, yeah. not the prison. Well, I mean, asylum and prisoner. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the same, Daryl. You're, oh. you're you're stepping on thin ice. Crazy. I, I mean, asylum. Okay. Daryl, use your platform responsibly. Silas. Okay. <laughs> so, so, we can agree to disagree. I think they're probably. You know what? Fine. I, I'll give you that, Silas. I, I will give the you that. Prison? I mean, crazy versus crimes. I mean, I don't want to call people crazy. That's wrong. That's wrong. I guess I'm thinking that's wrong. I'm not going to call people crazy. That that's irresponsible. Uh, yeah. It's just it's just bad all the way around. Yeah. It's just bad all the way around. Bad he bad PR. Have, some he should adhere to better social skills than that. If you're if what I did and what I didn't like about those comments is that he said he was willing to step down, but the team forgave him. No, 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 no. Don't because no, then you're trying to put it on the team like. Like no, don't don't use the team as a shield to hide what your guilt was. If you just own it. If your son was on the team and that was said, what would you have done? Father Silas, let's put Papa Silas in here. What what goes on? Are you having a are, are you having a talk with the coach? I gotta have a talk with him. Okay. Is it a call or do you show up in the office nah, and you say No, nah, no, nah, I gotta look at him in his eyes. Uh oh gotta close the door too. We might have to move some furniture too. So, so how does this go? Do you call him? Do you say, hey, I'm going to have a meeting with you? No, I'm not calling nobody. No, I'm, just, I'm coming right in. So you're just showing up? No, I'm, I'm coming right so in. If he, coming so if right he's in his office, office, you just go through the office and you're like, hey, coach, right. I, need to, I need to talk to you, coach. And I'm telling everybody that I'm going in to see you because yeah. I don't want you to say I snuck up on you. So, so, so everybody has to leave the room? Does everybody else have to leave the room? Who's in there? Everybody got to leave the room. We got to lock the door. Oh, oh okay. So you lock the door. You have the conversation. So what's the first? Just five minutes. Just five minutes. Let's let's have a conversation. And then we gotta make a mess. We gotta make a mess. Oh, okay. So 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 what's the first word you say to him? What's the first word you say to him? I would say what I would say. What the hell did you say to my son? 
but give it to me straight. And then I would ask him, what do you think a plantation is? And you said, you don't need people leaving the plantation. The mass of the people who play for you are black. So on that plantation, I promise every single black person given the opportunity would want to leave that plantation. So now what the hell gives you the right to say that to the masses of black people on this specific team that you're coaching? And then I'm going to wait for his answer. And if he says, get the hell out, I'm going to say that's the wrong answer. got to move some furniture. <laughs> If he apologizes, and, and, and if he apologizes, like man, I would say, don't apologize to me. You owe an apology to those players. You owe an apology to the media and to the press, so that that can be leaked out. Because you not, not you have a platform that is large, and you used it irresponsibly. That is disrespectful not only to the players here; it's also disrespectful to this campus, and it's disrespectful to the people of color and the black people on this campus. And not to mention the ancestors of these black people who have did so much for this country. You need a public apology at once. That's what I would say. Something to that effect. And I like to think I would be that calm about it, but Daryl, you know me. I don't know. Okay. What do you think? You think I can handle that, Tom? Mm, I don't think you get in the office. <laughs> oh my goodness. Daryl, you doubt me. You Those divisions. <laughs> Actually, Silas for the so Silas can finesse a little bit, so maybe Silas does get it. Maybe he does get in without creating compression. Maybe. Thank God I don't have that problem, though. Thank God I don't have that problem. Silas, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. All right, thank you guys so much for having me. Take care. And once again, I want to thank Silas Garrison for coming on the podcast. Always appreciate it when Silas comes on. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 266th episode of. Barbershop Sports Talk!